Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Welcome, Pastor Vlad. Pastor Vlad, how are you doing tonight, bro? I say I'm doing very well. Very honored to be here. Thank you for having me, man. I'm so excited guys. This is like I said, this is a brother of mine. Um, we were in a group text, me, him, David Diga Hernandez, Steven Moctezuma and Matt Cruz. We have a group text. So we're like, we're that good of friends where we're actually in group texts together. Okay. How many know if you're not good friends, you're not going to be in a group text together, but I'm come telling on, you, he's on. a good friend of mine. I've preached for his church. I love what God is doing. Um, he is preaching fire. He's streaming even now. He's starting to stream even from his house. They have services going. They have a church. They have a thousand mm-hmm. things they're doing. And I just want to say, man, I am so honored to have you on tonight to talk about spiritual warfare. I love what Thank you, you guys have been doing when it comes to deliverance. You guys are really spearheading, casting out demons for the American church mm-hmm. um, on YouTube, on TikTok. You guys are leading the way for deliverance for the American church. And so I'm excited. I would love for you, bro, um, just to share a bit of your testimony just to get to know our audience, to get to know you, and just feel free to go for it, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Isaiah. Uh, well, uh, really appreciate your hunger and your passion for God and what you're doing with these uh, live streams and everybody who's tuning in right now. Make sure you don't forget to share. And uh, so my story, putting my story like this, is I came to the United States when I was 13. I grew up in a Christian family. And uh, because of my eyes... I uh, had a defect uh, or uh, an injury in my birth mm. that caused an optical nerve, nerve to be damaged. And because of that, I struggled with self-esteem and um, I had a very strong migraine headaches for a very long time. And so I know that committing suicide was not a good idea. So my deal was that I prayed to God when I was a young teenager from 13 to about 15 years of age. I asked God if he can cause an accident in which I will die because I really felt like the world will be a better place with me not in it. And so um, I was so scared of speaking to people that I remember skipping a keyboarding class in my freshman high school because I was uh, I was convinced I was uh, ugly, I was worthless, I was deformed, and uh, and I was so scared of people. And so and on top of that, I had migraine headaches due to an uh, like an injury on my optical nerve. And so these two years of being in the United States, I spoke no English, had no friends. Literally at the edge, I just wanted to die. So two accidents that I was involved in, walked out without a scratch. So I was very wow. disappointed. And, um, and because God wasn't killing me, so I uh, started to close myself up in uh, no room after school and honestly just cry my eyes out. Wow. Uh, I was embarrassed of the fact that I was bleeding on the inside. I really had a hard time believing God had a plan for somebody like me when he allowed this to happen. Come on. And, um, but uh, and I, then I went to a little season asking God to heal my eyes when in reality there was nothing wrong with my eyes. I needed a healing of the heart. Wow. And uh, God did heal me of my migraine headaches. And um, that launched me into ministry because I made a promise to God. I said, Lord, if you heal me here and in my head, uh, remove the headaches, then I will give my whole life to ministry. Since my life has no point anyway, I'm just wow. going to go ahead and give it to you. And so I didn't know God will take me on the challenge. He did. And uh, God healed my heart. He healed my uh, self-esteem stuff. And then he healed my headaches. And then at the age of 16, I became the youth pastor. And, uh, and the rest is history. 
Wow, that is incredible, man. The way God raised you up and the way God used you. Now, tell me about, I know some of your guys' stuff started going viral. Some of your videos, even at the church, you guys really had an awakening. Last time I was there, you shared with me. If you'll just share a bit of that, how your church really got awakened to prayer, to holiness, to deliverance, because you guys really have been in revival for the last couple of years. I don't know how long it's been, but you mm -hmm. guys really have been in a significant move of God. And I think a lot of people, and I want to say this, think that you guys are a Russian church or a Slavic church, but you guys are the most mm -hmm. diverse culturally church I've yeah. been to. You guys have every culture, every race, every background, every economic status I've ever seen yeah. in one church. And so even on, not even just in your church, but on your leadership, I pro probably the most diverse leadership I've seen. Would you just share a bit of that, how that started in the church as well? Yeah. The Bible kind of broke yeah. Out? I mean, it, it all started, it all started with my uncle. My uncle had a vision he was a missionary in russia and he's my spiritual uh, father he's also my senior pastor so he came to the united states 20 years ago uh, one day after my family and he said i'm gonna start a church and we're gonna reach out to the lost and so at that point 20 years ago there was honestly not one slavic church that i could think of that thought that this was possible because you know russians are viewed at a particular light they, they're, they're seen not necessarily as the most friendly faces. And so my uncle starts a church. I am like 13 and a half years of age. I'm literally struggling with insecurity. It was around that time I got addicted to pornography on the top of that. Mm. And he's putting us into ministry. He's putting us on the stage every Sunday. We had no kids church. The only thing we had is Sunday morning service where we practice preaching and leading worship right in front of the adults. Wow. And so that's why the church, the church never grew for 10 years. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but but um, that's when we started to encounter God. And, you know, at the age of 16, as I mentioned, became a youth pastor. And so we started to, me and my cousin, started to break into an American church, uh, and a church that we were renting to pray because they didn't, we were not old enough to get keys to the church. So we would leave the windows open and a break in on Friday, 11 p.m., because the pastor lived across the church. And so we knew when he would go to sleep, he went to sleep, we turn off the lights in the car, put the car in neutral and went down <laughs> and then hide in the church, turn, turn just the side lights and pray. And one time he woke up because we got all Pentecostal, so we, we prayed very loud. And he woke up with a flashlight going all, all around the church looking and we hid under the pews. So he never found us. The church had no security system, so we were lucky. And but honestly, prayer became mm. the foundation of the ministry and about uh six years ago six five years ago that's when revival started to break out and the lord started to challenge me to bring prayer as the come center on, and as on. the most important thing in the church come he said on. my house is not called the house of preaching it's not called the house of worship it's not called the house of entertainment it's not called the house of all the things that you made the church to be he says it's not that it's a house of prayer and he said this he said if you make this a house of prayer i'll make it a house of all nations come on and so we started to honestly when we couldn't bring anybody in when we went out and nobody wanted to come in when our social media you know the videos were getting 50 70 views at the time nobody knew who we were what we started to focus on is prayer so we come opened on. the church at five in the morning uh, Monday through Friday for prayer. One, two people would show up, but I made a commitment. I cannot delegate prayer. I cannot make Say prayer it. to be a prayer department, appoint some, some kind of a guy to do prayer. I have to be the one to be at prayer and to lead. If there's one thing I cannot miss, and that is prayer. And so, and up to this point, we have 5 a.m. prayers. Two weeks ago, we started 10 p.m. prayers. Come on. So from 10 p.m. to 12, Monday through Friday, it doesn't stop with the rains or, or snows. And honestly, gods are supernaturally bringing people who are educated, people who are from different races, people from different cultures. Miracles started to break out. 
healings and deliverances, you know, and people sometimes say, oh, why do demons manifest in, in, uh, in your church? And demons don't manifest in our church because there's no demons. My friend, <laughs> it's on, not because there's no on. demons. It's because there's no fire. Come when on. you bring the fire, snakes come out. And so, and the fire doesn't come because you're Pentecostal. Fire comes because there is a foundation of prayer. You know, fire doesn't come because you're charismatic or because you know all, all of that stuff. Fire, God honors people with fire who build the altar. And the mm. altar is prayer and fasting. In fact, as I speak right now, we are on a three-day fast every single month like a clock. People say, oh, you have to be led to fast. You don't have to be led to feast. You don't have to be led Come to on. eat. You don't have to be led to go to the bathroom. You don't have to be led to pray. You don't have to be led to read the Bible. And you don't have to be led to fast. Three-day fasting, Bible says that, you know, we have to be mature enough to know that we have to deny our flesh and put things on the side. So as a church right now, we've been doing this for already a few years where every single month, three days, a whole corporate fast. We gather together in the morning and the evening, a leadership team. It's, it's a must because I really believe if we want to last, we got to fast. And if we want to stop straying, we got to start praying. So good. And I think this is one reason. And we had obviously, you know, John Ramirez, you guys have had him as well. I think yeah. he just was on the stream here a second ago. We were talking last week about how they were not afraid of the church. The demonic realm and the spiritual realm, you know, that's fighting us right now was not threatened by the church. And he said simply it was because the church doesn't pray. He was like, we would spend hours astro projecting and sacrificing animals and drinking blood wow. every week. He said, but the church was prayerless. They were powerless. We have these hour-long meetings and pastors all over the country have told me for the last 10 years, I can't get people to come to prayer. But I'm telling you, friend, the supernatural warfare, it begins in prayer. I mean, if you, if you think about the chat, we have 730 people watching. And if I said, how many of you, if I said type one, if you have unsaved family in your life that you want saved, Every single one of you would type one. Every one of you would raise your hand. And then if my next question was, okay, well, type one, if you've spent at least, now we're going to go small here, 20 minutes. Let's just say 20 because that's low. This week, mm -hmm. right, 168 hours in the week. If you Have you spent 20 minutes this week praying for that specific person for a supernatural breakthrough? I would guarantee less than 10% would say they've done that. I would say maybe 5%. So there is a deception in the body of Christ that God is just going to do what we don't even pray for him to do. I'm telling you, I believe this, Pastor Vlad, for a believer to become effective in spiritual warfare, at some point, you have to say enough is enough. At some point, yeah. you have to look at the people around you in bondage and say, I am not okay with this. I am not okay with showing up once hour, one hour per week while everyone's dying around me. I'm not okay with my kids getting swallowed up by the culture. I'm not okay with my marriage constantly on the verge of divorce every other week. Well, we don't know if we want to be together or not. I'm not okay with waking up depressed, having constant anxiety attacks. I know there's something behind what I'm going through and it's time for me to fight whatever it is it's time for me to Come get on. serious because here's the reality and you know this pastor vlad some people right now in the chat are gonna spend and this is so sad and i get chills when i talk about this 20 to 30 years in bondage to something that they had power to break all along let me say that again some of you will spend 20 to 50 years living in bondage to something that you've had the power all along to break you just did not have a pastor mm -hmm. or a preacher equipping you because you're in a church that would rather you be comfortable than be delivered and i'm telling you chat, there mm. has to be desire chat for you to begin to fight there has to be something that unsettles yeah. on the inside of you and says i was made for spiritual warfare i was made to be a soldier this is why moses said 
are you just all going to sit there while your brothers go out and fight? He told Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh that didn't want to fight the battle like a lot of us mm -hmm. in the church. He said, are you just going to sit there? This was David right before he fell with Bathsheba. The Bible says he sent the men to go fight his battles. And the ironic thing I was thinking this pastor Vlad as I was praying today about spiritual warfare, the ironic thing about David was Saul did the same thing to David when he was uh, David was a boy. Saul said, I don't uh -huh. want to fight Goliath, which I'm wearing my Goliath shirt, by the way. He said, I don't want to fight Goliath. David, you go fight him for me. Now, David grows up, gets that same spirit that wants other people to fight the battle for me. David, you go fight the battle. Now, David's mm. sending Israel to go fight a battle he's supposed to be fighting. And I believe this. One of the major problems in spiritual warfare in our generation right now is we always want somebody else to do it for us. We're always looking wow. for somebody else to pray for me. I see you, John wow. Ramirez. How are you doing, bro? Great seeing you tonight. Somebody else give me a word. Somebody else to pray for me. Somebody else to do outreach. Somebody else to help me. Somebody else to feed me. You pray for the sick, Isaiah. You pray for the homeless, Isaiah. You help the poor, Pastor Vlad. I have other stuff I have to do. Um, and this is the reality is you just want somebody else to do what God has called you to do because yeah. you're lazy. And I'm telling you, you have the same power. You have the same anointing. You have the Come same on. Holy Ghost. How long are you going to piggyback on. off of somebody else's My anointing? God. How long well. are you going to look for somebody else to do what God has called you to do? How long are you going to sit back and watch other people do what you should be doing? It's time now wow. to take responsibility. As we're telling you tonight, get your own prayer life. Get your own walk. I believe, Pastor Vlad, the days that we're heading into, okay, I'm not going to give you some end time prophecy, but the days that we're heading into we Christians, I'm trying to be careful what I say here because I don't want to offend too many people, but it's my podcast. I can say what I want. Anemic Christians, watered down Christians, backboneless Christians, lukewarm Ooh. Christians are going to get crushed under the power of what's coming if they don't begin to prepare themselves. Don't begin to get their kids. Don't begin to get your marriage and say, we need to be prepared how to fight this thing. This is why, guys, for the last month, we've been talking about casting out demons, how to keep demons out, how demons get in. We had John Ramirez on last week because we're trying to prepare you for what is coming. And I'm telling you, there's no more cop-out. There's no more time to play games. There's no more time for vacations. It's time to get out of yeah. your way and get back into Yahweh. I believe right now, Pastor God, God is opening up the eyes in the church. I know you've mm -hmm. been preaching on the really think, deliverance. Come I on, really, go for it. I really think that Isaiah, that you mentioned David, if we don't choose battle, we will slip into bondage. Come on. Because Come on. David did not go into a battle, God called him to. Because the Bible says in that verse, it says this, it was this time for kings to go to battle. It did not say it was a time for people to go to the battle. Come on. He was anointed for that battle, but he chose not to go into that battle. Of course, because he maybe thought that it's no longer for him. He outgrew the need to fight. Come on. He already, uh, his level is way higher. That, that's, that's for the, the, the beginners. And then guess what happens? He finds himself in the battle with Bathsheba with the naked woman except now he can't he fought goliath and he can't fight an image of a naked girl why he couldn't win that battle because anytime you don't go to a battle you were anointed for you will find yourself in a battle you have no power to overcome wow. and then people if we don't if we don't fight a battle then we will find ourselves being fought with the bondage. We will live in bondage or in the battle. As a Christian, there's only two, 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 two things. But the reason why many of us do not want to fight the battle is because we are lazy. And then that laziness leads to this thing called boredom. Come on, and boredom is it. one step away from bondage. 
Nobody finds himself in bondage until first found themselves in boredom. And where is boredom? Boredom is the middle ground between battle and bondage. And so we have to understand the world we live in is way more spiritual than we realize. You know, I'm reminded of Queen Esther because when the political arena shifted and there was uh, laws that were made and she was in the, one of the highest places politically in Babylon. I mean, she was married to a king. She had the political connections. She knew the right people. She was in the right place. And when the law was written to wipe the Jewish people, I find it interesting that a good-looking woman did not rely on her political connections or her looks. Come on. She gathers a nation to do prayer and to do fasting because she understood that behind a physical problem, there was a spiritual reality. Say there was it. a spiritual people that were moving things around. And when she went into prayer and fasting, what she did, what Haman did not realize what happened is in a spiritual world, she crippled him. And then when she stood in front of the king, she no longer had to be desperate, begging the king to save the people. She asked the king for a banquet. Not a normal person would never do that. No more person would panic. No normal person would throw a fit. No one person would literally spam everybody on Facebook, tell everybody, please pray for me, please pray for me. But that's not what Esther did. And I just want to like, show a little rebuke to some, some of you guys. Honestly, we need to get on our face before God and fast and pray more than copy and paste our prayer requests to 200 people who honestly don't even read those inboxes. Your goal is to get attention of God, not to spam people with your prayer requests. And I'm all for prayer requests. We print those out and we pray for them. We pass for, we pass for them. But I wonder sometimes how much more benefit it will happen if we will actually see God in prayer and fasting. Because what happened with Esther is that when she prayed and fasted, the spiritual climate changed. When she walked into the palace of the king, she changed her wardrobe. She changed. She no longer wore uh, rags. She wore royal garments. Come Why? On. Because the atmosphere changed. Nothing changed in the physical. But in the realm of the spirit, she knew everything changed. Things are no longer going to be the same. And she goes to a banquet. One time she goes to a banquet. Second time. And next thing that happens is then Haman gets on his knees. And he begins to plead for his life. And we have to understand, Satan might have access to your family. The Come same on. way Haman had an access to uh, Esther's life. Esther lived in the palace. Haman operated in the palace. As a Christian, devil doesn't live in your doesn't live in your spirit, but he can have access to your yes. to your soul. He can have access to your finances. He can have access to your kids. He can have access to your marriage. And a lot of people are intimidated by the devil's access instead of being encouraged by the authority that you have because you live in the palace. Because you're married to the king. Because the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Because you have the weapons of your warfare called prayer, called fasting, called the word of God, called the name of Jesus, called the blood of Jesus. And so if you would focus less on the access of the enemy, whatever the open doors, whoever opened them, your grandma, your mom, if somebody took you to the witch doctor, somebody threw a spell at you, somebody did, whatever the access, we don't have time to deal with the access. We can overthrow the access by our authority because authority trumps access mm. your authority in christ trumps the access of the enemy the enemy will be crippled he will get on his Come knees on. he will beg and plead that's why i love casting out of demons because people sometimes like oh my gosh you know you're posting about deliverance and you should never be posting about that i love deliverance for this reason because it gives me such a satisfaction seeing demons beg, Come on. See me, seeing Come on. demons tormented, seeing demons defeated, seeing demons fall on the floor in front of a, a guy like me who's only 30 years of age. 
I'm nobody. But see, I carry the authority and I carry the anointing. And I've seen people being tormented by those demons. And it just bothers me with the fact that Christians are not bothered by people Thank being you. tormented. But they are bothered and they now they become defensive of demons who get tormented during deliverance. Oh, we, we shouldn't do it like that. We shouldn't do it this and we shouldn't this way. I think as Christians, it's time to rise up and realize the world is way more spiritual than we've realized. And in order to see the physical manifestation of spiritual victory, we have to go into the spirit realm and we have to do like Moses. He went to the mountain, he raised his hands and Joshua saw the victory on the bottom of the mountain. We have to stop being like Balaam. Balaam rode a donkey and the Bible says this is that the donkey saw something in the spiritual realm but Balaam being wow. a, a seer he saw nothing so he, what he did is he beat his donkey because the donkey starts going crooked because the donkey had an opposition in the realm of the spirit and therefore the donkey didn't walk straight and then the donkey dropped. You know, sometimes when you see your kids going crooked, when you see your finances going crooked, when you see your marriage going crooked, a lot of times what we do when we are blind to the reality of the spiritual world is we apply physical pressure to physical problems. Mm. But if you apply physical pressure to physical problems whose roots are in the spirit, you're only hurting the donkey. You're not solving the real issue because the roots sometimes are in the realm of the spirit. You got to pull out the roots. You know, uh, Isaiah, when I bought a... Uh, me and my wife uh, bought a duplex and we were passed on a uh, a really just abandoned property it was really run down property the lawn in that property was over overgrown with weeds mm. every time i mowed it the next week the weeds showed up again Come and i on. had to learn this thing is that the secret is not to mow the lawn the secret is to remove the weeds plant the seeds come on and i think a lot of people some things are passed on to them divorce maybe constant financial problems uh, david had it for three years there was a famine and david you know he mowed the lawn he pretty much did everything that he did and then he stopped he said uh why is this weeds keep showing up again year after year and god says because the guy who owned this house before he sold some bad stuff and you're not responsible Come for that. On, but there are certain it. things you got to do to pull the roots out. There are certain things you got to do to close the doors. And David, when he did that, the Bible says the Lord removed those weeds. He removed those roots and then the rain came and the famine was over. So good. And I think a lot of people don't realize, like you just said, even for me, I remember getting deliverance and breakthrough from generational curses, things that I had nothing to do with. I came to a place in my life where yeah. I said, it ran in my family and we've said this before until it ran into me it stops now Come on. and so guys Come on. when we start talking about especially we're talking about battling engaging warfare in the spirit realm through fasting through prayer through intercession through wrestling we're not just fighting for ourselves we're fighting for the next generation and it is extremely selfish as believers when we're sitting on the sidelines not willing to invest in the next generation um i, I think of the prophet that said if you give up now what will happen to your children in other words, if we don't begin to fight the demonic things happening right now in our churches, uh -huh. in our communities, if pastors don't begin to rise up and pastors, listen, I'm not going to throw shade at you, but I know you have it in you. I looked at this last week. Our the entire world and the Christian church was in uproar because Gavin Newsom said, you know, no worship or no singing in church and the entire Christian world, especially in California, all these pastors that I know that have never 
said anything about anything, never stood up to say anything, are now going, we're going to, you know, go against Gavin Newsom. He's the devil. People are posting flyers of Gavin Newsom with horns on. Everybody wants to fight the governor. And I was thinking in my mind, Pastor Vlad, what would happen if you had that same passion against the demonic spirits that are inflicting and affecting your people in your churches? Gavin Newsom says the church can't worship, which by the way, didn't change anything. Everyone still worshiped. Okay. There's not one church that said, oh, we're not going to worship because of what he said. But I was thinking, what if we took that same passion that we had trying to go against the government and we said wait a minute we have to fight in the spirit there is a spiritual battle in our people there are people in our churches in our families in our communities that are bound that don't have the power to unravel themselves don't have the power Mm. to untangle themselves and instead Mm -hmm. of us fighting about whether we should wear a mask or Uh. not or whether we should social distance or not whether we should still meet why don't we begin to take that energy that passion instead of trying to bully other churches that aren't meeting or bullying other churches that are meeting and saying it's time yeah. that we bully the enemy it's time that we take the weapons yeah. you know the bible says our weapons are not carnal but they are mighty through god for the pulling down of strongholds mm. and we have supernatural weapons and the question mm-hmm. we have to begin to ask ourselves when is the last time i have used my spiritual warfare my weapons in the spirit to fight a spiritual battle maybe there's no mm-hmm. breakthrough in your life in your marriage in your family in your mind in your community in your neighborhood in your church in your ministry in your job because you're not engaging god has put you well my job's just too messed up that's exactly why you're there well my family i was born into a family that had this addiction and this addiction that's exactly why you were there god put Come you on. there for such a time as this and i want to prophesy over somebody that thinks they were born in the wrong family. I want to prophesy over somebody that thinks they're at the wrong job. I want to prophesy over a lady right now that thinks she married the wrong guy. Well, he's not the guy I thought he was. Well, you're go- God is going to use you to break those demonic powers that have bound him for years. God is going to use you to break that demonic spirit that's been controlling him like a puppet you have power Mm -hmm. friend i'm telling you we don't have to live our lives subject to demonic spirits we don't have to live our lives laying down for the enemy letting the enemy come Mm. in enough is enough i feel a holy boldness rising up even tonight i feel the lord saying Mm -hmm. it's time for somebody that's been on the sidelines to get on the front lines it's time for somebody to get off the playground and get on the battleground it's time for somebody to get off the cruise ship of the church and get on the battleship of the army of god god has not called you to sit in a pew every Sunday, listen to a dead message, and never engage in the battle that is happening all around us. There is a war happening right now, and it is time as the body of Christ. You know, Pastor Vlad, I believe this is why God is raising up people to preach on this. You're writing books. You just wrote what was an ebook on 40 frequently asked questions on deliverance. He's written books mm-hmm. on how to get, not just get delivered, and I want to talk about this tonight too, but actually stay delivered. I think, Pastor Vlad, so uh-huh. many people live from deliverance to deliverance to deliverance, but they never walk in freedom. And I'm at the place where I'm going, Lord, I want to be free from every demonic power. I don't want to have anything in common with demonic powers. And some of you can't get free from demons because you're dating demons. You can't get free Uh, from Jezebel because you sleep with Jezebel. You're over Uh, there getting your haircut at Delilah's barbershop every week. And you're going, Isaiah, I just don't know why every night I'm wrestling with demons. It's because you've invited them into your bed. And God is saying we need to begin to strip ourselves from everything Mm. that has ties to demonic roots, everything that has Mm. ties to darkness, anything that honors and glorifies the demonic realm. And one of the greatest lies in spiritual warfare is neutrality. So people think this, Pastor Vlad, I could be neutral. I'm not going to fight. 
but I'm not going to be against it. But here's what the Bible says. It says that if you are in the middle ground, you are an enemy of God. Jesus said this, you're either fighting for me or you're fighting against me. Well, okay, Isaiah, so so what if I'm not fighting? What if I'm not engaging in spiritual warfare? What if I'm not engaging in deliverance? What if I'm not making war on the spirit? Then you're not fighting for him. So what does the Bible say? You're fighting against him. Why am I fighting against him? Because the potential and the power that he's giving you is being Mm -hmm. unutilized and unused. And it's actually doing a disservice to the body of Christ because you're not setting people free that God has divinely put around you. Everyone around you, Mm -hmm. God has put there by divine purpose. When people come into my life, like Pastor Vlad, I say, okay, Lord, I was at his church last year. I said, okay, Lord, why am I here? And Pastor Vlad, I don't know if you remember the first night we talked, you begin to talk about social media, reaching people online, reaching the masses, deliverance. I said, Lord, okay, you brought me here, put this strategic relationship to begin to challenge me, to begin to convict me. Friend, you are not on this stream tonight. There's 850 of you right now. You are not on here because you stumbled on Facebook Live and somebody shared it and somebody, you are on here because there is deliverance for you tonight. There is breakthrough for depression. There is breakthrough from anxiety. Some of you that are suicidal right now, God is going to break the back of that spirit of suicide. Some of you that have come under a curse or a spell you say well my aunt's a witch my uncle's a warlock okay but guess what you're a man of god and you have the power and the anointing and tonight we are going to break it in the name of jesus i rebuke and i come against every demonic power that's been lying to you every demonic power that's been trying to call you worthless every demonic power some of you just came out of deliverance and you say well i need another deliverance no 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 you don't you need to begin to believe what god has said and close that door those thoughts are a door for demonic power hours to come back in yeah. and tonight we are going to break it in Jesus name we are no longer going to let the enemy bully the church it's time to begin to take out our passion yeah. not on governors yeah. not on politics some of you need to stop politicizing everything you need to begin to take it out in the spiritual realm and break these demonic powers I know I'm taking a lot of time I'm sorry Pastor Vlad I just feel a fire no, I'm no, just I'm, going on but I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost breaking it tonight. Holy, I, I, you know, I would, would like to add to what you said. Before God said in Ephesians that we fight spiritual world, uh, it says spiritual warfare. It says first that we don't fight. Mm, I really believe that uh, be, before David fought Goliath, he was tempted to fight his brothers. Mm. Uh, they provoked him by questioning his motives. And that is called arguing. The moment you waste your anointing on arguing with people, you will have no more anointing left to attack the real enemy. And so the devil many times will cause us to be involved in battles that have no spoil. They have no victory. It's like beating a skunk. You can beat a skunk anytime during the day. The only thing is that the only thing you get back for beating a skunk is a stink. That's all. And so and when you fight Christians, that's all you're going to get. You're not going to get a reward. You're not going to get a healing. You're not going to get a breakthrough. You're just going to stink like a skunk. That's all. And so what I really want to encourage every person, uh, if there are certain areas, maybe some of you are right now listening and you're saying, you know, I got delivered, but I feel like something is left there. Mm. I hear people all the time coming and say, hey, I, I got free, but I feel like there's something, something just, just a little bit over here. Can you, can you get that out? I really believe that God, a lot of times, he, whatever he doesn't remove, it's because he empowered us to resist. Mm. Let me say that again. Whatever he doesn't remove, he empowers us to resist. If you, if I go back to Esther's story, in the Esther story, the king killed Haman, but he did not kill his plot. Wow. He gave Esther the power and says, here is the ring. 
You go take care of it. And Esther wrote the letters. She went and she squashed that plot. She fought against. Then she wrote again and she fought them again. And so I have a book that's going to come out in 100 days. It's called, it's called Fighting Back, Moving mm. from Deliverance to Dominion. Because a lot of people, what they do is this, is they, they have this victim mentality and they keep moving from deliverance to deliverance instead of deliverance to dominion. Come on. God never created us for, do, do, for deliverance. He created us for dominion. In the beginning, God did not bless Adam and Eve and says, go be fruitful and multiply and be delivered. Come he on. says, and have dominion and subdue it. When Jesus came back on this earth to save us and to rescue us, Jesus told his disciples, he says, I give you authority to trample. He didn't say, I give you the gift of freedom and deliverance. He says, I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And I love this part because it says, and nothing by no means will hurt you. I have people all the time saying, you know what? It is dangerous to do deliverance because after you do deliverance, demons will attack you. And I said, where does it say in the Bible? Where, mm. well, 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 we need to cover ourselves with the blood if we go and cover, uh, if we go and get engaged with deliverance. This is what we used to do, Isaiah. I used to believe in that traditional teaching. And every time we had a deliverance service, we all came under attack. We had car accidents. We had flat tires. Cars flipped on the highway. We had people getting sick, carried to the emergency hospitals. And all of that confirmed to us the devil is fighting us back because we are doing warfare. In reality, we opened the door to the devil by believing tradition instead of believing the Bible. Wow. And so what I did to our team is that about three years ago, three, four years ago, we sat down with our team and I said, the Bible says doing deliverance is the safest thing you can do in the come kingdom on, of God. Jesus on. says nothing by no means. I said in Greek and in Hebrew, in Latin and in every language, it says nothing by no means, meaning there is no way the devil can attack us and succeed. Now, will he attack? Probably he will, but we will not even know about it because he won't succeed. Huh. Why? Because we have a shield of faith in that promise. Until that point, Isaiah, we had no shield of faith. You know what we had? Is we had the robe of tradition. Wow. Somewhere, somehow, some kind of a guy wrote a book who said that every time he talked on deliverance, every time he did deliverance, he had a headache, he had a fever, he had this, he had his kids went bad. And so now everybody is scared of deliverance as though it's some kind of a, like a dangerous thing. I'm going to tell you, the safest thing you can do in the kingdom of God is to heal the spirit, cast out demons and to preach the gospel. There's nothing safer that you can do. But if you believe in tradition, you will be attacked. Not because deliverance is dangerous, but because what you're believing is dangerous. You have to believe Jesus, not tradition. And when Jesus came on this earth, he gave us authority Come on, to tremble. Talk about he didn't it. say, you're going to get demons fight you back. He says, demons will not hurt you. They will not attack you. But I really feel like there's somebody that is right now listening on mm. this live stream or re-listening on this podcast who feels like, but there are some demons in me that nobody else could cast out. I feel like they're there. They have a, a permanent lodging in my life and there's nothing I can do. You throw your hands in the air and you feel like a victim. I have a word for you. The parts of your life that demons don't control are stronger than the parts they do. Come on. The guy who had a legion of demons was not even born again. Yet, those demons made him mental. They made him rip chains. They, they, those demons made him sleep on the graves. I mean, the case of demon possession he had was, was crazy. He was even physically mental. He was not there in his mind. Yet, when Jesus came within his proximity, a legion of demons could not do two things. They could not stop a human will, not God's will, not God's spirit, a human will to stop him from two things. Coming to Jesus 
and worshiping Jesus. Come on. Now think about that. Legion of demons could not stop an unborn again man to run to Jesus and to worship Jesus. And that little bit of human will that was still demons could not take. Maybe one percent of that was able to sneak through all of that legion of demons, got on his knees before the Lord, and he started to worship. And then, of course, demons took over and started to manifest, and the man received deliverance. So don't tell me that a little mosquito demon is still biting your life and that you cannot pray, you cannot worship, and you cannot get through that to the Lord and see your complete deliverance. Don't give devil more power than he already has. He doesn't have much power. The only power he got left right now is the one you willingly give to him by spoon feeding him and giving him that authority that actually is yours. The parts devil does not control are way more stronger than the parts he does. Come on, Pastor Vlad, I want you to talk about, I know you guys do deliverances. Now we've talked about this before, um, but you guys do deliverances at the altars. You don't carry people to the back. You don't hide it. You don't say, you know, nobody look. Talk about this because a lot of pastors, I've talked about this before, say, well, we don't want to shame people and we don't want to distract people. Tell me about your take on this and how you guys do the deliverances specifically in the church and at the altars. Because I know there's a lot of pastors so, watching tonight and I know this mm-hmm. will help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, I I think that two plus two, I like what Marcus Rogers said yesterday. He said two plus two is four and one plus three is four. Good. And so th- the ultimate goal is the fruit. Is is it done in Jesus' name? Is it done by the power of the Holy Spirit? And the what is the fruit of that? And so if you take him to the back room, that's awesome. But Jesus, I just, I just don't see Jesus hiding deliverances on. on Wednesday night meetings that nobody shows up to. Mm. I don't see, I think that people are like, oh, but it's going to glorify the devil. Really? So Jesus delivering captives free is going to glorify the devil. Then sermon glorifies you. Wow. Then worship glorifies the worship leader. Then everything else glorifies us. My friend, I'm going to tell you one thing. Nothing brings the fear of God in the room. Then physical manifestation of healing and demons coming out of people. And the same person who was screaming, yelling, and all of this stuff was happening. I'm going to tell you one thing. Room changes. The people yep. who were on their phones dropped their phones and they start going like this. People start repenting. After that, people don't think of pornography the same way when they hear the demon came through pornography. Wow. And so it brings the fear of God. It brings the presence of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God manifests. Atmosphere changes every time deliverance happens atmosphere changes that's why a lot of times when deliverance takes place in our service we we cancel the sermon and so we just go to deliverance now if it happens every week then of course we would you know commend the demon to be bound and then we pray during the deliver during the ministry time because that one deliverance does more damage to the kingdom of darkness and does more good to the heart of that person than any sometimes sermons would so one of the reasons we do it publicly is because uh demons hurt people publicly mm. they destroy people and they need to be publicly put to shame now, there are people who, uh, after their deliverance, they would, you know, email us. It happened maybe to three cases where in the last 10 years where somebody and those cases had to do with their job. And because their video really picked up a viral uh, online, most people don't have a problem because they don't know what is happening. And people understand that that it's not them. It's the evil spirit. Mm. Afterwards, when you see the change in the person. You don't see that person in a bad light and people receive that love. People receive that acceptance. And so I really think the pastors who are afraid of doing deliverances now typically is for one reason. It's because of the fear of men. Mm. The fear of men causes us to rob people from having the fear of God. Wow. So what do you want? 
Do you want the fear of men or do you want the fear of God to be on people? When King Saul did not fight Amalekites, why, why was he didn't do that? Because he had a fear of men. Mm. But if you track his history before, when he went to war against an enemy that attacked a city in the beginning of his kingdom, the Bible says he ripped the oxen, he ripped everything. He got like all crazy, all worked up. The spirit of God came upon him. And then it says this, and the fear of the Lord came upon people. When I read that story, I would be scared of Saul, not of God, because of how brutal he was. You see, when the anointing comes, it makes you bold. Come on. And when the anointing makes you bold, people are never afraid of you. People are afraid. People have a fear of God. When you do your own stupid, foolish, fleshly things, then people are scared of you. And so I've seen new people because my biggest fear was new people. What will new people think? Mm. And after about the craziest altar calls for salvation we've seen were usually after demons manifested in the service. Yep, come on. This is crazy. I can't explain it. You would think it would drive them away. I mean, I had people from local gym that I would work out come and they would sit and we would have a deliverance service and I'd be like, oh Lord, this is not a best service for them come to on, come. Oh my like, God. You know, I was sitting and I was like, man, I, I just hope that we have some like domesticated demons, you know, today. Come, come like, the, you know, like I call them American demons, you know, like yeah. the ones that just kind of like, is this fall, you know, not not like the, the real deal stuff. And so, and then, you know, and then boom, start praying for first person. Boom, people manifest. People start puking, throwing up, screaming, yelling. Then demons communicate to other demons. And it's like a whole little, like a demonic cartel that's, that's building. And we start delivering. And I, you know, an hour later, and uh, and I see them standing there like yep. frozen. Yep. We do an altar call and people start getting saved like crazy. And, and so I just honestly, and then they record, spread it to the schools and start showing, hey, this stuff is real. And so I don't think people are scared of deliverance. If they would, Hollywood wouldn't produce Preach. exorcism movies Preach. and witchcraft movies. Harry Potter wouldn't be successful. Lord of the Rings wouldn't be successful. Every other thing from Hollywood is horror. So if you think that people are scared of this stuff, I'm going to tell you one thing. They're hungry for the real yes. deal. They're drinking the toilet and garbage water from Hollywood. And partially why is because the church is afraid to show the goodies and the true colors that the gospel is filled with. And I think too, people don't realize spiritual warfare is one of the funnest things you can do as a believer. I have friends that were in the Marines. I had friends that were in the Army, friends that were in the Navy. And I have multiple of them. They've gone four, eight years, and they come back. And I'm like, how, how was it? This? They're like, oh, it was all right. I just really wish I could have actually put to use my training. And we've all heard this in the military. I wish I could have uh -huh. actually went to the battlefield. I wish I could have actually went on tour. Not every soldier goes out to battle. That's the reality. Statistically, most soldiers will never see battle. And I'm like, that's exactly what the church is. We are preparing and training and talking, but we're never allowing people to actually engage in spiritual warfare. I think a great disservice is, now I probably have 100 messages right now in my inbox, or probably more of people saying, when are you going to reopen your church? I want to come get delivered. And I think this is a, a great disservice when we do this now I have no problem people coming to get delivered we do lots of deliverances and I'm gonna offer that once again but I will say I tell people all the time call your friends call your family call believers around bring them to your house and do deliverance because we need to begin to equip other people for spiritual warfare the days of it just being an evangelist that does it a pastor that does it it is a disservice it is time for every one of you to begin to engage and I'm telling you when you begin to do it you'll be like this is the funnest thing I've ever done and here's why you were born for this. 
America wants to see deliverance. America wants to hear about spiritual warfare. America wants to realize and wants to understand the battle that we're in. This is why I tell people, don't get all involved in conspiracy theories. There, You don't need to worry about conspiracy theories. Understand that there is a supernatural war and you're battling spirits. You're not battling conspiracy theories. You're battling demonic spirits that are behind what we're seeing. This is why in Daniel 10, Daniel's nation is in bondage and the angel begins to fight the prince of Persia. Literally, there's a principality. Well, when that principality gets brought down, the next chapter, David's, uh, uh, Daniel's people are set free. Why? Because we have to deal with it in the spiritual realm before we see deliverance in the natural realm. I have a lot of friends about, yeah. you know, raising money for starving kids and raising money for starving people. And my question is always, yes, we need to feed the poor. Yes, we need to feed the starving people in other countries. But who's going to feed the starving Americans sitting in the pews every Sunday wow. morning? How many people, Pastor Vlad, are starving every Sunday morning because we have pastors that are too weak, too watered down, and too afraid of what people think to preach the authentic gospel and break the power of the demonic in their churches? We are called to be soldiers. We are not just average believers. Guys, being a soldier is your identity. Now, I know a lot of you are going to flame me and say, we are our identities in the Father. We don't have to worry about spiritual warfare. Okay, so why does Paul, on his deathbed, in Paul's last book, okay? Now, we know if you're on your deathbed, you're going to say your most important things. I just, I remember my grandfather, he passed, recently passed away. On his deathbed, we had about 40 family members gathered around him, and he began to prophesy over every one of us, and there was not one person on their phone, there was not one person distracted. Why? Because on your deathbed, you give your most important revelations, you give your most important conversations. If you're on your deathbed, you're going to say what you need to get out before you die. And this is Paul's deathbed Mm -hmm. words. And Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, on his deathbed, remember this, he says, Timothy, suffer with me as a good soldier of Christ. And then here's what he tells Timothy, soldiers, not Christians, Timothy, soldiers do not get tied up with the affairs of civilian life for then how could they please the officer that enlisted them? Understand this, and this is a life-changing revelation. Soldiers are not, do not get tangled up. Soldiers live differently. Soldiers pray differently. Soldiers act differently. Soldiers spend their time differently. If you would stop looking at yourself as some grasshopper Christian that goes to church for an hour every week and start realizing, wait a minute, I am a soldier in the army of almighty God. I'm not a soldier in the U.S. Army. I'm not a soldier in the Navy. I'm not a soldier in the Marines. I am a soldier in the army of almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth that holds, breathes out stars. The earth is his footstool and I've been enlisted in his army. And Paul says, you need to realize and suffer with me as a good soldier. In other words, yes, Mm -hmm. you're going to go through hard times. You're going to suffer hardships, but understand that you are a soldier And I came to tell somebody tonight that you have it in you, that you will not give up, that you will not quit, that the coronavirus is not going to take you out, that the things happening in America, the riots are not going to take you out, that we will overcome, that we are soldiers. Do not give up. Things are not going to get easier. I'm telling you right now, we are headed into some dark days. I'm telling you guys, things are not going to get easier. If you're waiting around for when's everything going to reopen, things are going to get easier. Things are not going to get easier. Things are only going to get harder. But in the midst of the darkness, the Bible says the light shines even greater. And I prophesy that in these last days, we are going to see, yes, the darkest days, but also the mm-hmm. brightest days. I believe we are on the mm-hmm. verge of a great revival. And God is raising up a people that might get knocked down, that might get tired and weary, but they will get back 
back up with the power of the Holy Spirit that God is raising up soldiers, not babies in the body of Christ. Come on, it's time for somebody right now in the chat to soldier up. It's time for somebody to get ready and say, I'm going to go to war against what's fighting my family, fighting my marriage, fighting my community. I got to get something in me. I got to get hungry for this. I don't care what I have to do. Listen, there's no excuses. There's a thousand teachings on YouTube. I have hundreds of hours of videos pastor vlad has hundreds of hours of videos he has books he's written it's time to get equipped if your pastor's not equipping you mm-hmm. if your church you're going to does not teach on this there's a thousand places you can get a train for this but don't sit back and wait for spiritual warfare to come to you you need to begin to get yeah. militant and engage and say no i'm a soldier and i'm getting ready to fight there's i really feel like in the in the christianity there is two school of thoughts one is views everything as blueprint and the other one views everything as warfare mm. blueprint meaning uh god has a plan uh we just sit and wait god's sovereignty is taken of course to an extreme uh, through this view and so we kind of sit pretty much whatever god wants to do he's going to do and then there's another uh train of thought or the other school of thought that we have to embrace as christians i believe and that is this the world we live in is evil come on we are in the warfare and the same way as israel in the promised land they didn't get what they were promised they only got what they fought for. Wow. And so we could, we, you don't get what God promised you. You don't get what is yours. You're only going to get what you fight for. And we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. God gave people, God gave Israelites a promised land before even they got there. And so when they went into the promised land, they already fought from a position of victory. And how we know that is because the people in the promised land were scared of them. People in the promised land were, were terrified of them. And so we, we all have to transition from a slave mentality, which was sin, to a soldier mentality. I know we're sons. That's our identity. That, that, that's who we are in the heart. But our position, our calling right now on this earth, as long as lost people are going to hell, as long as demons are causing people sicknesses and pain and suffering, as long as devil is roaming on this earth, we are soldiers. And in the promised land, you must understand, in the promised land, God doesn't deliver you. In the promised land, you have to walk out your dominion. In the Egypt, you experience freedom. In the promised land, you experience fighting. In the Egypt, you wait on God to bring plagues. In the promised land, you are the plague. That God waits for you to unleash yourself in that promised land. In the promised land, Big Mo comes in and he delivers you with a stick. But in the promised land, there is no Mo. Moses is not there. You're not relying on a pastor. Your your prophet is not there. Your apostle is not there. Guess who is there? The ark of God on your shoulder. So you learn to rely on God's presence and God's spirit that lives inside of you because that is how you walk in dominion. See, to get deliverance, you need somebody to pray for you. But to walk in dominion, you need to realize the spirit that lives inside of you and begin to carry him as you begin to push back the darkness. In the Egypt, we come complain but in a promised land we get circumcised come on the first thing they did when they went to the promised land is god cut some things off a lot of hurt happened because see when you complain you hurt god but when you circumcise you hurt your flesh mm. in the egypt what they did is they robbed egyptians they got rich in the promised land the first thing they did is they gave not a 10 percent not a tie they gave a whole city imagine these guys waited for 400 years to finally get a promised land and they finally entered it and a slave would have freaked out at the thought of giving anything to god but see when you're a soldier the idea of giving doesn't scare you come on because the flesh has already been cut the flesh has already been brought down and so the promised land is different than 
a Egypt. And we have to switch our thinking. We are in the warfare. We are in the promised land. Warfare is not wilderness. Warfare is promised land. If you are fighting, that means you're not in bondage. If you are fighting, that means you're not a slave. If you are fighting, that means you're not in Egypt. If you are fighting, that means you are already in a different season. That means whatever you're going to push the darkness off of, you're going to occupy. You're going to possess your possession only, only through fighting. So good. And I think one thing our generation is lacking and wants is we want freedom. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to yeah. live. And what we're struggling with, especially in the army of God, is when you become a soldier, you no longer have freedom. Soldiers pledge their life. And help me if you're in the military to fight a higher cause, to set people free, to bring down enemies, to bring freedom over nations. You literally, mm -hmm. if you sign up for the army, um, the Marines, any branch of military, you sign your life away and you literally say, my life is no longer mine. It is now the property of the U.S. government. It no longer belongs to me. I'm laying it down for a higher cause. Yeah. I don't get to make my own decisions. I don't get to make have my own choices. This is why if you're in boot camp or you're in the military, there's a curfew. Wait a minute. I'm a grown man. You're telling me I have to come in at a certain time? Yes, because you're no longer yours. You belong to somebody else. My commanding officer, and this is what Paul's telling us, tells me what to do now. Now, the army will provide you with food. They'll provide you with mm -hmm. clothing. They'll provide you with finances as long as you yeah. sell out to them. If you don't sell mm. out to the army, you don't get the clothing. You don't get the finances. You don't get the education fund. You don't get the food. As long as you give them everything, they'll provide for you. A lot of you are yeah. wondering why God has not provided for you. It's because you're a sellout and you're not sold out. It's because you have not wow. given Come your on. life to Come the on. Lord. And the Come Lord on. can only provide for those that have mm. given themselves to him. There's a major issue happening right now. There's a lot of soldiers in the army of God that are going AWOL. And that literally means to be absent without leave. That means just to disappear. There are so many people right now that are just leaving the faith, that are walking away from God. The Bible prophesies there will be a great apostasy and a great falling away of the faith. And right now, there's many people falling away that are walking away from the battle. But it's time for some of you that have gone AWOL. It's time for some of you that have walked away. It's time for some of you that have given up to begin to re-engage mm -hmm. and tonight to re-enlist to the army of God. Yes. What will happen yes. to America if the church does not begin to fight these demonic powers that are taking over our country. What will happen to America if the church does not begin to take responsibility and say, it is my calling, it is my assignment to set the mm -hmm. captives free, to deliver people. You have been anointed, mm -hmm. you have been called. It is time to rise up now. Stop making excuses. Yeah. Stop saying why you can't do it or why you don't believe in it. The time yes. is now to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to raise the dead. I'm telling you, God is challenging you tonight. God is convicting us tonight to say it's time mm -hmm. to fight. Stop fighting other Christians. Pastor Vlad, I can't tell you how many times this last two weeks, and I won't even go into this because I'll get a bunch, bunch of people mad at me in the chat, where I've typed up something on Facebook of wanting to argue or say something about everything I'm seeing on Facebook, and then I just had to delete it. I, I can't tell you how many times I've battled not posting because I said, you know what? This is not going to bring fruit. And I don't want to start battles that are going to waste my energy. I don't want to start on. trying to challenge demons and challenge powers that are not going to be worth the fight or worth, yeah. worth the fruit. I need to begin to yeah, take yeah. my time and my energy and put it towards mm -hmm. useful things. So all of you that are arguing on Facebook all day long, posting articles all day long, debating everybody about masks, debating everybody about whether church should open, start taking your energy 
and your and your focus and your thought life and say i'm going to use that now to engage against the real enemy who is not your christian friends not your christian family not the people that are wearing a mask or the people that are not wearing a mask but is the actual devil that is out there prowling yeah. around destroying uh-huh. our families destroying our friends well we're over here arguing whether we should put a mask or a face guys i'm telling you it's time to stop fighting over the dumbest things that have no weight in the spiritual realm and start taking the fight to the kingdom of darkness and worrying about what is happening in the spirit realm and fighting from a place of victory and stop living our lives we've allowed the enemy to get us distracted by that's why people say well are you going to release a statement no i'm not releasing a statement i don't have 20 minutes to sit down and write some statement for you as to why we're not allowed to worship in churches and what do you think about this statement what do you think about this law i'm worried about fighting the enemy i'm not worried about fighting the government i'm not worried about fighting politics i'm not worried none of them are saved y'all what do you expect i'm worried about fighting for the kingdom of god bringing down demonic power spending my energy training y'all up do you want me spending all my energy typing out political dreams and visions or do you want me spending my time training you guys up on how you're actually going to impact because here's the thing whether the president's doing this or we wear masks what does that have to do with the people that are drug addicted in our family that are dying and going to hell what does it have to do with the people that are lost and bound by depression that are waiting for us to bring deliverance none of our mm. dreams and visions and all of our prophecy words and all the stuff we're spending hours and hours and hours obsessing over some of you can't even sleep at night because all you do is read dreams all day but you don't read your bible and i'm saying get Come back on. to the word of god begin to train yourself because there is hurting and loss broken are you isaiah are you ranting yes because i'm tired of the church not fighting the actual enemy Mm. let's stop fighting each other let's stop arguing with each other let's get equipped for the battle let's get prepared the devil's distracting us because he knows what's about to come and he doesn't want Mm -hmm. us prepared and let's start getting ready for spiritual warfare it's time to go to war i'm telling you i feel the fire tonight like never before santo come on that's good that's good that's good isaiah come on pastor vlad i would love for you i know we're about an hour in here i want now guys we never talk about because this is an element to spiritual warfare we never talk about our our journeys of giving or what we do but i want them i want you to share with them that what you posted about giving recently um kind of like how god has really blessed you guys as, as you guys have dedicated certain things and god has opened up certain doors if you could just summarize it i know i'm going a little bit off track here but i would love for you to share that i want to make sure we talk about that before we mm-hmm. um we end here tonight i want i want you to share a little bit about that journey you and your wife and kind of what you guys have done with that mm-hmm. yeah i i think really it's, it's walking in dominion mm. it's part of walking in dominion because uh nothing has a greater effect and pull on your heart than money and there is no way a person can walk in dominion without their money area be under full lordship of jesus christ and a lot of us, uh, what we have, our money uh, master us. They don't, we don't, Jesus is not a master over our finances. And so, um, and, you know, it's, it's okay to be poor and be a Christian. It's just not okay to be stingy and be a Christian. Mm. It's not okay to be a person who is not generous uh, as Jesus was. And so my journey into, um, I would call it extravagant generosity began when I could not get married. Come on. So at the age of 23, some so of y'all 20, need to listen uh, up right here. I'm just saying, some of y'all need to listen. Come on, right this here. is this is gonna be good. Somebody's uh, bank account is gonna go empty today. Come on. And so, but but this is honestly a true story. 
true story. We are, uh, I am 23 years of age. Uh, January, we are fasting. Uh, I had failed relationships at the age of 20 uh, from uh, people in our church and uh, nothing uh, worked out. And I took, you know, three, four years. I'm already in ministry and I just honestly just, just doesn't work out. And I meet Lana. Most people don't realize I actually broke up with her the next day. Mm. And so I broke up with her. Our church is going on a 21 day fast. And during fasting, I picked up a crazy love by Francis Chan book. So I'm reading a book and, you know, he's talking about giving it all, you know, pretty much like surrendering. And so, and at this time, I already have a property. I already have a paid off new car from a dealership. I, uh, and I have money saved up for the wedding, for the ring, for the honeymoon, and for the furniture in my house. My only problem on. is I don't have a girl. Come on. And during the fasting, on the second week of fasting, I feel the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart. And he said, he said, you have too much money saved up in your account. And I rebuked that voice. I was like, get behind me, devil. And I'm a, I'm a big Dave Ramsey guy and stuff. So, and at that time, I was like a disciple of Dave Ramsey. So I was like, there is no way this is from God. So, of course, I rebuked it, pushed it aside. And that just wouldn't leave me. I don't know if it's not eating for 21 days or what it was, but it just messed with me. And I, I couldn't sleep at night. It wouldn't leave me. It just, my heart troubled me that uh, I have to take a certain portion of, not all of it, and then to give it away. And so I, I just felt say something a certain real quick, amount. Real quick, I have to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Guys, number one, we're not taking up an offering after this. Number two, I want to talk about this because there's a lot of people that are in bondage to their finances. So this is why we're talking about this. We're not taking up an offering. I just yeah. have to say this. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to just say that. So and, you know. and uh, yeah, and I'm not uh, pitching for anything uh, because all of my content is for free. So come on. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. All, that's, all that's our stuff okay. I'm yeah, sorry. So go I'm ahead. not asking for money. Okay, so just, uh, FYI, I'm just sharing my story. Next thing that happened is that, so I gave that uh, pretty large sum of money. I, I died, honestly, million deaths. And then next to uh, three days, I felt so good. I felt on a cloud nine. I felt so close to the Holy Spirit until I looked at my account and I realized how empty it is. And then I just felt so depressed. Honestly, I wanted to sue Francis Chan because I felt like he just took advantage of me emotionally. I was like, that book ruined me. I'm like, I started, I honestly really thought I'm, I'm going mental because I'm hearing voices, I'm giving out money. And then, uh, you know, crazy thing, my emotions got stabilized. A mental thing that I had when I couldn't make a decision concerning a relationship. In other areas, I was good. In this area, I could not make up my mind. And so things got sorted out. Se seven months later, I am married to my wife. And after the wedding, you know, all of the bills were paid for that I was afraid I would not have enough. And we still had $7,000 left. And so honestly, God just did a miracle. But after that, I, uh, I went back to my little, you know, hole and just kind of living, you know, paying bills and giving my 10% like a Pharisee, not, not a dollar above, not a dollar beneath. And uh, five and a half years ago, uh, you know, I was already in ministry for about over 10 years. Uh, things were not going anywhere. Things were not growing. Financially, I was growing, but the ministry wasn't. And I really felt like Holy Spirit said, you're growing faster financially than spiritually. Mm. And he says, you have to leverage one to get another one. And so, and I was like, well, God, I'm just going to pray more. He's like, I'm not asking you to pray more. He's like, I didn't say that where your prayer is, there is your heart. I said, where your treasure is. And I was like, God, don't talk to me about this stuff. I don't want you to touch that area. And I was like, God, I'm just going to go on a 21 day fast. He said, I did not say where your fasting is, there is your, tre there is your heart. I said, where the, tre where the treasure is, there is your heart. And so, and honestly, I knew what he meant. And so at that time we had a, we had a $10,000 uh, money saved. We were trying to uh, save 10,000 a year. So each month a little bit so that we could buy land and build a custom home. And, 
And, uh, and the Holy Spirit just put the finger on that money. And he said, you have to give it to the missions. And, and man, I fought it <laughs> three days. I, I, I was the most miserable person in the world. It made me sick. I wanted to vomit, throw up because I knew that it was God and I did not want to do it. And so uh, we did it. We gave it up, gave up the whole idea of uh, building ever, you know, our custom built home and et cetera. A few months later, uh, my father finds a land very close to the church. And he's like, hey, son, I want you to buy it. I'm like, dad, I'm broke like a joke. I have nothing. And on the top of that, I made a promise for a year, not to save money, but to give it to the missions for every single month. So every single dollar I would give to the missions for a year. I really was desperate for God to bring a revival to our youth group. I didn't want money. I didn't want the house. I didn't want the cars. I, I even told God, I said, God, do not bring it back to me. I know you're going to bring that stuff back. I was like, God, if you don't bring salvation of people, God, I, I honestly, I'll rather live. It was a really kind of old, stinky place. I'll rather live there. But if you don't bring revival, to our church and if i don't see salvation of people god i want none of that stuff wow. and so uh, four months later you know i went through also financial crisis i've never had financial crisis but that was during that giving time i went through very huge financial crisis my rental property stopped being rented out um, i couldn't find rent i dropped the price to that low that i wanted to move into them myself and nobody 98 percent of ultra city is occupied all the tenants are, you know, all of the rental properties are occupied. I'm, I know what I'm doing. So like, I know how this stuff works and I cannot find for four months. Before that, it would take me three, four hours. I would find tenants. Four months, I can't find rent. So I can't pay my bills. And on the top of that, I made a promise that I will give a thousand bucks above my tie to the missions and I can't make ends meet. And this is what I started to, um, honestly, emotionally, I felt like things in me were dying. And Isaiah, for the first time in my life, I met Jehovah Jireh. Come on, see, I thought Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh. See, I thought Jehovah Jireh was the Lord who provides for my needs. But he didn't provide for Abraham's need. He provided for his sacrifice Come that on. he himself asked for. And God revealed it to me. And he's like, Vlad, he's like, I didn't give Abraham for his utility bills. I didn't pay for his car payment. He said, Abraham was very rich. He says, Jehovah Jireh is not somebody who provides for your needs. And though that could be it. But he says, Jehovah Jireh is somebody who provides for your giving and for your sacrifice. And I was like, God, I never knew that. And so something started to happen that year where supernaturally people would start messaging me from Canada and other places on Facebook. I had like maybe 300, 400 friends. And so people would message and say, hey, what is your address? And I was like, heck no, I'm not giving you my address. And they're like, God told me to send you a thousand dollars. I'm like, hey, yeah, of course. That is my social security as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and the crazy part is none of them knew me. None of them knew the exact need that I had. Not for my for my needs, but because I made these promises and I would go travel and typically, you know, like somebody would bless me, the church would bless me with like two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars. You know, I was so grateful because they would cover my flight and my lodging. And then, you know, I would go the same church that I would do a year ago except now would give me $3,000. They didn't even know why they gave me $3,000. They did not know that that was exactly what I needed. And so I would weep in the airports, not because I didn't get any money back for myself, but it was because the sacrifices that I made a goal to give to God, God will supply. And I honestly met Jehovah Jireh. Ever since then, when you know we finally got the land that my dad helped me to purchase, and then there was a whole miracle how I was able to pay my dad back from the construction loan and how the whole thing worked. And the moment we moved into the house, I was so relieved and just like, oh my gosh, God is moving. But the greatest thing that honestly happened is not the financial breakthrough. The greatest thing that happened is that in 2014, I remember one guy came, got saved. Two weeks later, he brought a few people. They got saved. A month later, it started to become a normal occurrence. 
I could say that with boldness now, we did not have one service where somebody did not get saved. Our youth group started to break. We couldn't break 50 people in attendance, honestly, for 10 years. I've tried everything in the book. I did a fear factor. I drove a motorcycle. I come, brought a casket three on. times to the service. I mean, I did a disco dance for crying out loud, and I don't even know how to dance. I never danced in my life. So we did a disco dance to draw people. We went did a boxing match in the park. I mean, Come we did. On. You think it? We did it. I had no limit on the budget in the church to bring the crowds in and could not break 50 in the attendance. I preached the same sermons today that I preached you Come know, 15 on. years Come ago. On. Nothing. I sweat it. You can see some of my sermons. The same sermons I would preach 10 years later that get 70,000 views. They couldn't get more than seven views on YouTube. The same guy. But there was just this thing. And I felt like when God ripped my heart open from that idol. Honestly, for me, it was an idol. Holy Spirit. I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. But when God points to your Isaac, don't give him Ishmael. Ooh, come on. Somebody needs to hear that. Because see, some of us, <laughs> every time God points my Isaac, I always give him an Ishmael. I said, Lord, you know, I remember I was at one conference and the Holy Spirit puts in my heart. He says, empty your account. And this was like not long ago. And, uh, and I was like, God, but can I just uh, do this? You know, I always offer him Ishmael because Ishmael I want to get rid of and Isaac I want to treasure. And so, um, and then Holy Spirit started to move in the ministry. Things started to uh, break. We broke the, you know, the barrier of 100. Then we broke the barrier of 150, 200. And I remember on my 30th birthday, um, I was celebrating and I wanted to celebrate the, my 30th birthday by launching two services because we couldn't fit people in the youth Come service. On. People start spreading rumors in town. You have to get 15 to 30 minutes earlier. And so our church was about three to four times smaller than youth ministry. Wow. So the Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights were, you know, so, I mean, miracles started to break out and everything. And so, and I, I really like one thing that I would want to share with this has nothing to do with, I don't have a sales pitch here. I don't, uh, you know, raise uh, an offering or, or, or even uh, Isaiah, but I really want to share with you guys just honestly in the conclusion that is this Jesus and disciples modeled sacrifice. Come on. They did not model stinginess. Um, and one thing you have to know about your sacrifice is a sacrifice messes with your heart. Mm. It will mess with your heart. It will move you. And sacrifice is when you give something not that you don't need, but something that costs you. And so I usually say this, a sacrifice is not measured by what you give. It's measured by what you have left over. Wow. So good. See, you know, it's not, there are people that can give 500 bucks and that's not a sacrifice. But the widow who gave her last that was a sacrifice. And Isaiah, I find it fascinating because the widow gave her last to a corrupt religious system. If mm. I would have been Jesus, I would have stopped that widow. I would have said, listen, you know what these people spend their money on? You know, that they're really wasting their money and they're putting all the bad stuff. They're going to crucify their God. Widow, you don't give the money to them. Jesus complimented her giving, knowing the giving went to really messed up sources. And so people who always say, I can't give to that ministry because I just don't know where they spend their money on. Really, when was the last time you asked of Starbucks when they, what do they spend their money on come before on, you bought their come car? Come on, preach. When was the last time you asked Apple or Microsoft or other places, you know? So I really think that a lot of us hide behind this little, I don't know what people are going to spend their money on. But in reality, it's masqueraded greed. And so I always believe that whatever God puts on my heart to sacrifice and I don't, that number that thing, whether it's a car, whether it's a house, whether it's something, that becomes open to the devil to steal from me. So good. And I think what you're... And I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I have, Isaiah, and I have stories of 
like few hundred bucks. Somebody would give me a few hundred bucks and God placed in my heart. He says, that's not yours. Give it to somebody else. And I was like, no, they gave it to me. That's mine. And I talked myself out. Next thing that happens, the next day, the sewer gets broken in the house. Literally, new house or sewer gets broken. I would spend three days in the poop trying to fix it. And then I would spend twice as much and the Holy Spirit would convict me. And so God taught me. He said, if I point my finger on something, it's not because I want to take it. But he says, you have to understand one thing. If you do not obey me, I will never punish you. I love you like a son. My relationship with you will be still there. Your intimacy will be affected. And secondly, that which I put my finger on, if you don't give it, when I say to give it, who I say to give it to, that thing becomes exposed to the enemy. Don't expect me to protect it. Wow. And I think what you're saying, uh, people need to identify the strongholds in their life. People need to identify what they're battling, what power, what spirit, what stronghold. And I believe tonight God is going to not just equip you guys, but God is breaking strongholds. Some of you came in tonight and there's strongholds of depression. Some of you are having anxiety. Pastor, I've gotten so many messages this week of people saying, Isaiah, I'm having anxiety attacks. I'm having depression. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out because of all that's going on right now. There's people in here right now that have COVID that are sick, very sick in body. And I believe tonight that the battle has been won, that there is victory, that tonight God wants to heal, God wants to deliver, and God wants to set you free from every demonic force and every demonic idol. And as we talked about tonight, we are going to move from deliverance to dominion. We are not going to live our lives being delivered over and over and over. Now, guys, we are 100% for deliverance. If you go to Pastor Vlad's YouTube, there is video after video of deliverance. If you go to my YouTube, there's video of video of training deliverance, hours of Q&As, hours of how to cast out a demon, seven steps and 10 steps. We have broken it down as every way possible, every angle, because we believe God wants to set you free. So please, we are 100% for deliverance. What we're not for is living our lives in this perpetual cycle of bondage, living our lives for 20 years, 30 years, being bound, whether you're bound in your finances, whether you're bound to pornography, whether you're bound to materialism, whether you're bound to success, whether you're bound to your job, whatever it is you're bound to and addicted to, I believe tonight God wants to break it. And so what I'm gonna do, guys, like I said, I have linked Pastor Vlad in the description, all of this will be on Charisma this Friday. All the all the links will be there. As he just said, God has literally told him to put all of his content for free on his website. Mm-hmm. So he has his books on there. He has teachings on there. He has an online school. He has all this content. And like I said, no one has done this. So we're not asking you to buy this. We're not asking you to do this. We're telling you it is all on there free because we believe that God is equipping an end-time generation, okay. an end-time army. They're literally reaching millions and millions of people online, on social media, this is our hour, guys. If you're not engaging Come in spiritual on. warfare, if you're not on the front lines and you've been on the sidelines tonight, hear the trumpet sound, hear the Come clarion on. call, figure out how you can engage. For some of you, as I talked about Friday stay-at-home moms, you can engage in prayer. You could win a yeah. supernatural battle in prayer. Some of you, it might be yeah. going out on the street. Some of you, it might be do deliverance in church, but you need to figure out where God is calling you to the battlefield where the battle's taking place, and you need to begin to engage. Fasting, prayer, giving, these are all ways we engage and bring breakthrough in the supernatural realm. So guys, I'm telling you, it's time to get engaged. I want, before we close out, I asked Pastor Vlad, if you would just say a prayer over us. I believe tonight God's equipping. I believe God is enabling us and giving supernatural power. He's bringing deliverance. So Pastor Vlad, if you wouldn't mind just praying a prayer of deliverance and just a prayer of equipping before we end, I would, I would love for you to do that. Come on, come on. Yeah, let's pray right now. Before we do, there's somebody, you constantly have nightmares. 
and uh, there's like uh, constant attacks, especially uh, the sexual dreams. They're they're, they're constantly happening to you. I uh, I have a we're gonna pray right now, but I have a, a just a word of advice. Come on, um, don't go, don't go sleeping on the lap of Delilah. Uh, sleep on the Rock of Ages before you go to sleep. That hour before sleep, uh, put God's word first. And then uh, not Netflix, not movies, not TV shows. Put God's word, put worship. And do not use your phone for an hour before you go to sleep. Come on. And then when you just go to sleep, just just trust the Holy Spirit will come in. And if something happens at night, when you wake up in the morning, pull that out, just out of your mind. So that did not happen. This is not from God. And so we're just going to pray right now. We're going to pray for deliverance for those people who are maybe fighting nightmares. Maybe you're fighting depression. Perhaps you're really right now going through and you are fighting an anxiety. Or uh, there is a spirit of infirmity that is attacking your life. We're just going to agree. So uh, whatever you are at, you can just uh, stop. You know, if you may be doing some stuff, you can just receive. Because some of you are going to experience the power of God. Some of you are going to experience right now even healing in your physical body. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that knows no distance right now. He is there in that country. He is there with their with that person when even this video is on replay. When this video is being played years later, God, there is no time gap and there is no distance gap for you. In the name of Jesus, I take authority right now over every spirit of heaviness. I take authority over every spirit that is bringing distress and every anxiety. In Jesus' mighty name, every spirit of death and nightmares, I command it to be loosed right now from God's people. In Jesus' mighty name, every spirit of infirmity that causes arthritis, that causes problems with the knees, that causes problems in the joints, that causes problems in the stomach, digestive problems, and asthma. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke that spirit of infirmity, and I command it to loose its grip out of the people of God right now. In Jesus' name, I take authority over every spirit of bondage and every spirit of addiction that brings gambling. Constant addiction to video games, addiction to uh, pornography, addiction to drinking, and addiction to use of drugs. In Jesus' mighty name, I rebuke them right now. And I speak God's freedom to come right now through those podcasts, through that video platform right now. In Jesus' mighty name, I just just cause that chain to be disconnected from you through the blood of Jesus and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for those people right now who are going through from deliverance to deliverance, who are in this constant cycle, like people who get out of jail and constantly finding themselves back in jail. I pray, Lord God, that you will rewire their mind right now. I pray that you will change their perspective right now, God. I pray they will no longer see themselves as slaves, but as soldiers. I pray that they will begin to embrace their authority. They'll begin to take the stand. They'll begin to fight. They'll begin to possess their possession, God. They're going to stop playing a victim, God. They're going to stop being a couch potato. They They will grow a spine. They will become strong in you, God. Strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, and endure suffering as a good soldier, God. Help them to embrace the battle. Help them to go to the battle, God, instead of just simply living in boredom and then living in bondage, God. I pray for them right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to say a quick prayer over you guys. Father, we ask you tonight that you would equip Mm. us for supernatural warfare. Father, we thank you that our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. So Father, we are asking you in Jesus' name that you would give us boldness, that you would give us power, that you would fill us with the gifts of the Spirit, you'd fill us with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we are asking, equip pastors right now. I speak over pastors that you would equip their churches for spiritual warfare. I pray for churches that have been on the sidelines that you would put them on the front lines. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, Mm. for your power. I'm asking for your anointing, 
those believers. You might be in a dead church now and say, Isaiah, I don't even know how to begin with spiritual warfare. Lord, I pray that you would raise them up supernaturally, that you would train them. Lord, you trained me to do deliverance. I pray that you would train them to do deliverance. I pray that you would raise them up by your power. I thank you, Lord, that you have given weapons of warfare, that they are not carnal, but they are mighty weapons through God for the pulling down of strongholds. So Lord, raise up your church. I know that right now the church looks like dry bones, but Father, I know that there is an army that is rising out of the dry bones. And Father, we pray that you would have your way. Release power. Mm -hmm. Release a fresh anointing, Lord. We thank you. And we speak right now and receive the word that was spoken tonight. We rebuke every bird and every demon that would try to steal the word according to your word. We receive it. It is good ground. It will produce fruit. And we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've spoken, everything you've said in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Vlad, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I want to say, as you guys know, there's a donation link right there on the top. Please bless. As we say, don't dine and dash. I'm going to bless Pastor Vlad tonight. Please help me bless him by donating, by supporting the stream tonight. Pastor Vlad, would you tell us anywhere else that you want to plug or anywhere else we could find you? Or maybe tell us a bit about your church. I know there's people that watch that live in your area that are even on here that have been asking where is your church at. If you just share a bit um, about where we can find you, that'd be awesome. Uh, So thank you. Thank you, Isaiah, for having me. And um, thank you guys for tuning in and sharing. Um, So VladimirSovchak.com is where all the content is there. If you have questions on deliverance, and I have a break-free book in four or five languages, it's available there, single, ready to mingle. A lot of curriculum on uh, anointing and um, and new content that I'm constantly releasing. VladSchool.com is where the school is. Um, so no strings attached. Uh, I don't beg, uh, plead, or God is the provider, and he told me to do this. And so I know that this, because every new season requires a new sacrifice, and I really mm. feel like I, I'm stepping into a new season. And so um, our church is in Pasco, Washington. It's Hungry Generation Church, um, hungrygen.com, but you can just see it on social media. We are open. Uh, so uh, Sunday morning service is at 9 and 11.30. We are starting a Sunday night miracle deliverance service Come on. On, on August 16th. And so in about 30-something days from now, we are starting a Sunday night service. But they're all streamed live. And that's what we pray mainly for deliverance on Sunday nights, but also on Sunday mornings. And so, yeah, uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, thank you, Isaiah. I love you, bro. Appreciate I appreciate you. you. I definitely want to have you on again. I just typed in his um, website. Let me see. I typed it in right there. I typed in his website in the chat. And guys, like I said, I have linked him in the description you. so you can't miss it. Um, thank you, Pastor Vlad. We Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.